Good afternoon, and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Chrysell, and Diane Duvernay are your hosts every week, right here on AM 1290, repeated at 11, and on Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets and at Montecito's Upper Village. At Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. Hi, Neil. How was your week? My week was fine, but I'm disappointed that it's cold out. And I don't understand that when I when I came here 22 years ago, my broker said it's always 72 degrees. And I don't know whether I have any recourse now. Uh, I feel like um, statutory limits might have expired by this point. Uh, yeah, but it is disappointing because um, I'm forced to wear a sweater and I'm chilly. Okay, let, let's move on to, to some interesting things to talk about. We have with us today via Zoom, Tracy Morris, owner and creative lead at Ella and Louise Flowers. Thank you so much, Tracy, for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to do this and be in a little different venue than normal. <laughs> so today's Wall Street Journal had an article that is uh, actually very enlightening. Um, and it is talking about what to do right now since everything in the stock market is so pricey. And it begins by looking at uh, Nobel Prize laureate Robert Schiller's uh, uh, CAPE, C-A-P-E ratio. And Schiller uh, has uh, created a ratio looking at cyclically adjusted uh, earnings versus price. And he was able to go back to 1871 to calculate this ratio. And today, the cap ratio is 37, which is twice the historical average, uh, but still less than the peak dot-com bubble of 44, and a little bit more than the 33 it reached before the 1929 crash. Um, and um, the, uh, the, you know, the relevance of all of this is that uh, while the stock market is very high, you also have uh, cyclical stocks um, uh, doing well. Uh, housing prices are doing well. Even airlines are doing well. Uh, but interest rates are still low. And the question for investors is, you know, what to do about investing. And one of the things that is sort of uh, concerning is that if we were to look for the same performance next year as we had last year, the CAPE ratio would be 52, which is really kind of hard to imagine. And so the article just doesn't have a really conclusion. It just says, just be aware that right now we're looking at probably a good recovery, a good economy, but with uh, a valuation on the stock market pretty much at historical highs. Well, that's uplifting, Neil, today to start it off with. That said, I think what the, what the CAPE ratio uh, fails to uh, account for is the sheer size of the stimulus of the U.S. government, which in turn has helped corporate America, coupled with the 
the tax cuts of 2018, where corporations are now paying 21%, I think we'll see some um, reversion to the mean once the uh, taxes are tinkered with again. And uh, that's a good lead into the next article, which is entitled Borrowed Money Back Stocks But Carries Risks. And um, in uh, late February, investors had borrowed a record $814 million against their portfolio. And um, that was up from 49%, uh, uh, up 49% from last year. And uh, in general, investors uh, require 50 cents of collateral for their, um, for their, uh, uh, for the right to, to borrow against stock. Uh, but even, and we got back to the uh, hedge fund disaster from last week. Uh, there are ways to get around that uh, by uh, using uh, swaps, uh, where you can borrow as much as fifteen cents and get a dollar. But the point here is is that there's a lot of not only as you point out, Diane, stimulus money floating around, uh, but there's also uh, a great deal of leverage in the stock market today because people are borrowing against their stocks. Absolutely. That's a huge number of people borrowing against the stocks. And, and, and what, what we're going to see happen if that debt doesn't um, you know, get cleared up is when the stock market does go down, we're going to start to see margin calls and the likes of that, which just further emphasizes or uh, what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for, exaggerates the downturn because people are going to have to clear their, their debt margin. Uh, and there was an article both this week in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal about the same subject, which is uh, the uh, disaster with this hedge fund that used swaps to buy huge positions in companies. And uh, when analyzing what happened, two things these articles point out, uh, two weaknesses in the system came to light. And one was the fact that uh, when you do a derivative or a swap, you don't have to file with the SEC how much of, a, of, of whatever the stock is that you own, because even though in the case of uh, this hedge fund that owned effectively 34% of CBS, uh, Viacom, they really didn't technically, so they didn't have to report that huge amount of uh, ownership they had. But the second thing is, they were borrowing money from five different lenders, at least five different lenders. And none of the lenders forced them to reveal that they were, that they were not the only lender. So the lenders were shocked to see how much uh, the hedge fund had borrowed because all they saw was how much they were lending. But the hedge fund was borrowing five times as much because they had multiple lenders. So and what's again, weird is if, if an individual tried to pull that same stunt of borrowing from multiple lenders and not telling the other lenders that they had liens from various banks, they would end up in jail because that's illegal. Right. And the, what happened here is that some of the banks did ask them to reveal and they said no. And some banks said, okay, we won't do business with you. But other banks said, okay, they won't tell us, but they're so profitable. This business is so profitable to us will take the risk. And that's why Credit Suisse took a $4 billion loss because I think they must have gotten greedy by not asking or forcing 
the borrower to reveal how much they were borrowing from other people. Uh, the next article is about um, uh, borrowing uh, stock in order to facilitate a short trade. Um, and this is an interesting article because, you know, with a GameStop, uh, which caused an, an immense uh, a short squeeze, the whole idea of uh, shorting has become uh, much more widely discussed in, in the public. And what was is really sort of the paradox of uh, shorting is that in order to short a stock, which means you, you sell a stock you don't own, uh, you have to borrow it because you actually actually have to sell it. And the idea is that you'll be able to buy it back at a lower price. Well, where do you get the borrowed stock from? Well, you get the borrowed stock from somebody who owns the stock. And what has that been typically, what has been typically the source the last few years? And it's mutual funds, pension funds, and uh, uh, index funds. So here's the irony. There's a lot of money that's being made by getting interest on these, on, on the, payment to, to have to actually borrow the stock, but you own a stock and you are letting somebody borrow the stock in order to bet that the stock will go down and actually help push the stock down. So there's sort of this, this inherent conflict of these institutions letting someone help push the stock down by lending them the stock that they can sell short while the whole idea of their management is to buy stocks that they believe will go up. Uh, and the yeah, last thought, yes, go ahead. convoluted than that even because yeah. oftentimes it's done at the brokerage level. So it's not like uh, Joe uh, consumer is calling up, uh, you know, Calsters and asking if they could borrow some GameStop or whatever stock they want to short. Mm. It's actually going through brokerage houses. So oftentimes the end client, Calsters, doesn't even know that their stock has been borrowed. Right. And the last article we have today is from the from the Wall Street Journal this weekend, and it's called "A Calendar Quirk Does Heavy Lifting." And it, uh, it said that there were forty mutual funds on February twenty eighth that reported returns of at least a hundred percent for the last twelve months. Um, the uh, number the next month as of March was 218 did. Well, how could that be? How could uh, you get such a huge increase in the number of successful funds? And that's because the way funds report their return is based on uh, a, a, a arbitrary date. So it's every 12 months. So since the market crashed in March of last year, the comparisons versus February of last year are dramatically different. And so what the article points out is that when you're looking at performance of any fund, you remember that it's not simply the point to point number, it's the consistency in the return. Because right now people are, are funds, funds are advertising their great performance, but their great performance, at least in this calendar year, is a function of the fact that you can use March as the base and March is, a, is, is the month that the stock market crashed. Right. You're starting at a much lower point to calculate out your return and such. Many funds, I would argue that most funds should be in positive territory and looking great from March of last year. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back.
For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. Hospice of Santa Barbara is there to help when we're adjusting to living with a life-threatening illness, facing death, anticipating the death of a loved one, or healing our grief after a death. Hospice of Santa Barbara can provide the emotional, social, and spiritual care needed in a supportive, compassionate environment. Hospice of Santa Barbara provides professional counseling for individuals and has many support groups and programs for adults, teens, and children. Services are free made possible by our community's generosity and by all of the highly trained, wonderful volunteers that give her their time to help those in need. If you would like to make a donation, become a volunteer, or support the important work of Hospice of Santa Barbara, or find out more about hospice services for you or someone you love, please call 563-8820, 563-8820, or visit our website at www.hospiceofsantabarbara.org. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to its customers in a personalized and honest manner. And we can be reached uh, by phone at 805-564-1290, or you can email us at moneytalk1290 um, at gmail.com. So, we have the pleasure of having Tracy Morris, who is the owner and creative lead at Ella and Louise Flowers with us today. So Tracy, as a business owner, you know, you founded Ella and Louie in 2012. So that is, you know, you're almost coming up on that decade of being in business. How does that feel? Um, great. I still feel like, you know, somehow this pandemic has reverted me back to the early days of just scraping through and figuring out how to make things work. So it's been, it's been just like I started all over again. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us what originally drew you to wanting to open up uh, a business surround uh, with flowers. So I started actually working in a flower shop when I was 16 years old in Los Angeles, because in order to get a car, I had to have a job. So there you go. Um, I was like, well, this looks fun and pretty and I'll just work here. And they said, sure. Um, so when I came up to UCSB to go to school, I continued to work in flower shops as my, you know, part-time job is, you know, making a little money here and there to pay my bills. And, um, 
it continued because I started to work in the art world, um, working for an organization called the Contemporary Arts Forum in Santa Barbara, which is morphed into the Museum of Contemporary Art now. But it, you know, the arts don't really pay anything. So I would still work um, for the flower shop up in San Inez on the weekends, doing weddings and whatever else they needed to do. Um, and I continued in the arts for a while, but then at some point it really wasn't fulfilling at all. I was feeling very run down and um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of egos and agendas when you work in the art world. Um, but I knew I wanted to stay in Santa Barbara. So I was like, well, what do I, what do I know how to do? <laughs> I was working for a winery for my friend um, who has municipal winemakers. And I really loved working there. That was fun. It didn't, you know, pay very well to work in a tasting room, but I really enjoyed it. And I appreciated the extra income. Um, but I just started doing flowers. People had started asking me, friends had started to get married, you know, oh, our florist, we can't afford it. Or, you know, somebody flaked out on us and can you help us? And I was like, sure, why not? Um, so I shared a tiny garage with my neighbor who made room for me in, in her one car, you know, 1920s garage and set up a table and a few buckets and, you know, did all the business back in, got my resale number and all that and just kind of started. I just started with what I had, which was pretty, pretty minimal, but it turns out that's really all you need to start. And so, so since you've been in the business, you're, you are a seasoned professional at this point, whether, whether you feel that way or not through the pandemic, you know, what parts, what, what parts of the business are you feed your soul the most, would you say? Um, one of the things that I learned, I knew it, but I really learned it during the pandemic actually was that I really like making things for people. So I thought, well, you know, I'll make something and kind of put it out there to sell, but it really didn't make me feel good. Um, I felt better when I was creating something for someone, um, whether that's a wedding, whether it's just a bouquet of flowers, it just is so much more interesting to me to do something that is in a weird way, a collaboration with the person who's receiving it because I'm creating it for them with the, usually with their input or their somebody's you know, input. Um, and that to me is just the best part. It's, it's really like, I love making cool things, but if it's a cool thing and there's no people involved, it's really not as exciting. If, if you look at the restaurant business, their problem among others is they have to order a certain amount of food. And if they don't sell it, uh, they may have to literally eat it. And if they run out uh, because they didn't order enough, people, customers are upset. Do you have the same issues with inventory investment in the flower business? Yes, that's the short answer is yes, which is why so many florists um, like to do weddings and events because you can plan and you can order accordingly and you really don't, if you do it right, you don't really have a lot of waste. Um, but in the pandemic, I switched to daily deliveries, which is a bigger, um, more of a restaurant problem where I need to have things um, on hand and, and available, but also not too much because you can't eat your flowers, at least with the restaurant, you can eat the food. But um, luckily I buy from local farms, um, which allow me to buy a smaller amount and at a very short time period. So, plus they have a better product. Um, so that's really made that 
less of an issue than it might have been had I been in a place that didn't have wonderful flower farms. You know, speaking of, of local flowers, uh, I had a big anniversary last year, so I had to buy a, a lot of roses for my wife. And uh, the florist, the florist said to me, okay, we can get them tomorrow. You know, they, they come in from South or Central America. And I said, why? And she said, well, they're better. What, but it seems like kind of crazy, isn't it? To import flowers in from such a long distance or is that in fact economical? Um, in normal times, yes. We've actually run into some big supply chain issues in the floral industry, um, which is perfect timing for weddings and Mother's Day. Um, Normally, yes, it is more cost-effective to ship in flowers. I actually buy from, there's a be beautiful rose farm in Napomo that's 45 minutes from me. So I drive up and buy my roses there because they're just really great and they're local. They're my neighbors, essentially. But um, flower, the flower world is definitely a global enterprise and many of the flowers come from South America. A lot come from Holland. Most things come through Miami. Um, so you'll get stuff from Texas. Um, I do try to buy a lot of California blooms, especially now because it's just a lot easier and more cost-effective. But again, if people want specific things, that's really hard to do. You mean with local flowers, it's hard to do a specific, you know, like Neil wanting to buy, you know, 50 roses, red roses, I'm assuming you for your love of your anniversary. <laughs> It would be hard to to buy that local on a in a in December where roses normally aren't blooming here. Right, right, and and it, and at the cost that people want to pay. That's you know people are used to grocery store blooms, which are a whole other field of flowers, literally. Well, we're going to take a break, but during the break, I'd like to find out when uh, Diane's birthday is because. Uh, I think she feels badly that she didn't get roses. So you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. Hi, uh, I found a toy dinosaur over on the playground by Smith Street. Uh, it had this phone number on it and well, uh, I just wanted to make sure the dinosaur made it back to its little owner. Yeah, hi. I think I found your kid's stuffed animal near the swing set. Um, just want to call. I'm sure she misses it. I know my son gets super attached to the smallest things, even a fire truck. Uh, and I'd be happy to drop it off. The toy was a little muddy, so I cleaned it up. And um, it's good to go whenever you're around. When I found the little sippy cup, I just had to give you a call. It's for a kid, you know? We'd do anything for kids. Yet one in six children in the U.S. struggle with hunger. Help end childhood hunger and give all of our kids the meals they need to grow. Learn how at feedingamerica.org. 
Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Sign-ups are going on now for Goleta Valley Girls Softball Association. Both Santa Barbara and Goleta GVGSA is a softball league for girls ages 5 to 15 years old. The 5- and 6-year-olds play t-ball and coach pitch throughout the season. The girls pitch to batters in the 8U, 10U, 12U, and 14U divisions. The season runs from March through May with GVGSA following all state and local safety protocols. Softball is played outdoors and is a safe way to teach our local girls about teamwork and athletics. Sign up today at GVGSA.com. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So Tracy, tell us about the um, pandemic and, and what what you actually um, had to do to, to stay alive. Um, right before the pandemic, you had just recently opened a brick and mortar store up in the Valley. And, and tell us about the trials and tribulations. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely not going according to plan. 2020 was going to be like an awesome year. I had so many bookings and bigger weddings and all that. And that didn't happen. Um, so I did what a lot of people in the events industry did, which I've been hearing from all over the country, which is just, you know, close the doors and walk away. I can't keep burning through money that I don't have is not coming in. I needed to kill that kill that expense as best as possible. So I just went home and looked at my money and looked at what was coming in and what was going out and how much money and retainers I was holding for people because that was a big unknown. Um, Was I going to get a rush of people asking for refunds of, you know, even though the contract says no, you know, doesn't people still ask. Um, So I just went home. I just went home and took a look and said, what do I have? What do I need? And called Diane and said, I I don't know what to do. And she was talked to me off the ledge a little bit, which was helpful. And that was it. I ended up walking away from the space. and any monies that I had put into opening it up, which I had been pretty frugal. So um, that wasn't too much, but you know, I had to get an attorney to help me get out of the contract and talk to the management company, which wasn't, they were really unhelpful. Um, the leasing agent was actually lovely. Um, but yeah, I just moved and called some movers and just moved it all into my garage and my condominium and just for now, you know, was like, that'll be good enough. I have no work. So I'm just going to go home. And so how many months was it really slow in the beginning of the pandemic? And when did it start to pick back up? So March and April were pretty deadly. Um, And non-essential businesses were supposed to close. And I know a lot of florists think they were very essential, but um, they weren't, not according to the paperwork. And so that was pretty bad. And then they did a whole thing with Governor Newsom, you know, announcing that retail could open and he announced it from a flower shop like Mother's Day week. But that doesn't, you can't plan for that. Like Mother's Day as a whole, as retail, you know, you got to pre-order all your flowers. You got to have vases. Vases come from China and things weren't coming from China. So, you know, just saying like you can open your doors was nice, but it wasn't, didn't, 
make anything immediately better. What I did was I partnered up with some friends um, and, you know, Dune Coffee, municipal winemakers, and we created some delivery options for people so they could get their mom some coffee and some flowers, some wine and some flowers, you know, all the things we kind of needed to get by. <laughs> and so working with them was really great. And it just made me feel better in the community too. Like I, well, I'm not here alone. I'm not here just sitting by myself, you know, watching everything kind of crash down, but there was, you know, friends and they were had resources and smarts and heart. And we all just kind of pitched in together, which was really great. Are you going to get Are you going to get a, another bricks and mortar store? No, no. What I did was I, I went away for a while. <laughs> I went up to Montana. You seem clear about that point, Tracy. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, you know, I did think about it and I held on to some of the stuff for a while. But um, no, I, I actually took the time and I, and I actually went up to see some friends in Montana that do what I do, who were similarly affected, though they did have a little bit more work um, than we did here. Um, and really thought about it and thought about what I wanted to do and what I felt, you know, was working and not working. And I came home and I um, built an online store. So I have a store, it's just online. It's in the digital space. It's open all the time, but I don't have to hire a person to sit at it. And um, the ordering is really simple and straightforward and that's it. So now I do, so I do have a store. It's just not a brick and mortar. Um, it just seems pretty unrealistic to pay for um, storefront at this so point. So is your online store, uh you deliver if it's in the area and you find other people like if I called you and said, I want you to deliver something to my son in Washington, DC, you would act like flowers.com. You would send it to them through a local, <laughs> a local place. No, I actually think that's an older way of doing things. I have worked in shops since the eighties. So I can, I know a little bit about these things and I um, really just don't, that's not my ethics because what happens is the florist will take 20% of the order and send that, you know, as a fee for sending it. And Google, you just Google, you can Google a florist. It's really simple. You can call them directly or email them. I actually don't take phone calls orders. I take only online orders. Um, but, you know, you can ask them directly, ask questions. It's much cheaper and more efficient way of sending flowers than the old FTD. FTD went bankrupt last year. Like there, it's just really a dying model of how to do business. And so basically in, in turn, what that's done is it's kept you local. So you're making, you're making flowers for people in, in our local community. Correct. So I deliver all over the San Inez Valley and Santa Barbara down to Carpinteria. So it's a pretty big delivery radius, a lot larger um, than a lot of flower shops will do. But um, and I only deliver Wednesday through Friday because I get the fresh flowers in on Tuesday. Um, that's just the way the farms work. But then when everything goes out, it's very fresh. It's very local. And, um, and yeah, right now it's just me. I just hired back um, part-time my employee that I had to let go last year. So that should help. <laughs> Absolutely. And I have to say, um, Tracy, I do find your online ordering quite simple and easy to do. And I appreciate that. So that when I remember I have to order someone flowers, I can do it at o'clock in the morning when it wakes me up in the middle of the night. <laughs> so, yeah. So and if that's ever 
go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, if, and if there's ever, I'm always available via email for people. Um, you know, my phone is permanently attached. So, you know, that's part of the reason I don't answer calls, but I'm, if I'm out running around, I can always answer an email. And I just find that to be a more effective way to get business done. So what types of lines of businesses that do you do? You do weddings, you do parties, you do, uh, you know, deliveries for, for people who are ordering flowers for friends and family. Do you, which do you like the best and, and which do you, which feeds your soul the most? Is it weddings because you see the couple and you can get their idea? I mean, I really love weddings. I think that as a cultural moment, it's just, they're really beautiful. Like it's the families coming together. It's maybe the friends, you know, it's an opportunity for people to really have a sense of community that they don't necessarily have all the time. Um, so I do, I really love weddings. I haven't, haven't burned out on them yet. Um, and Santa Barbara is such a great place to do weddings. Like our, our market here is really wonderful. Uh, is the customer when you do a wedding the the bride or is it the the planner? Who who who's your who's your customer? The officially the 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 couple are my clients, so they're the ones who sign the contract. They're the ones who right. pay, you know. But all of my referrals, the best referrals, come from planners. We are really lucky to have a pretty good ecosystem of event professionals in Santa Barbara. And we, it's a small community. So if you do really well, if you do a nice work and you're kind to people, people come back. If you're not, people find out real fast and you don't work very much. So, um, but yeah, referrals, referrals from venues is always good too, like the hotels and things like that. Those are um, very valuable. So what types of weddings do you like to do the most? I do, um, I tend to work at the lower end of the market, which is still not cheap here in Santa Barbara, but, um, you know, medium range, so four to $5,000, um, 75 to hundred guests, you know, just really simple, not a lot of installations. I actually have a new, um, way of ordering off my website for smaller weddings. So even if you have not $5,000, you can still order really nice wedding flowers and have them delivered. Just a well, that less. does be a niche that this market does need for those people who are having smaller weddings, but still want to have that wedding feel. Um, really, when you go into a, a other florists, their bo base bottom basement pricing is oftentimes seventy five hundred dollars for a minimum, and it just makes it challenging to find somebody to do good work for less than that. So, you, I do truly believe that you are filling a niche. You know, I have not advertised at all this a la carte ordering. I keep meaning to send an email out to contacts and stuff and let them know, but I have, it's been blowing up every day. You know, every, I get new, you know, questions like how does this work and can I order it? And, you know, I probably have a dozen a la carte orders just filling in my calendar um, without any, any sort of advertising at all, or even mentioning it to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> you're, li you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KCBSP, and we'll be right back. It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. 
Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, tail-wagging, backyard-hanging, and, of course, companionship. And what breed would you say Satchmo is? I'd have to go with maybe a lavish terrier-hound, chihuahua-looking kind of mix. Tremendous dog. Mm, I'd also like to point out Satchmo's coloring, a white, gray, brown, black brindle, simply marvelous. You know, it's such a treat to watch a dog like this. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive. And now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, the happy dance, so common with this group. And finally, the loving face flick. It's great how he just gets in there and, well, licks. Fantastic. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a love of service other banks can only dream about. So, Tracy, you know, I I can't help but to think that this, you know, one of the silver linings of the pandemic is people have really um, made a concerted effort to shop locally and really want to support local businesses during this time. And I think that that will continue through through the foreseeable futures as we continue to, you know, want to support our local community. Do you see that being a, um, a movement that will help propel your business to the next step or the next level? Maybe the flowers are pretty much, they're a little bit different where it is. Most people are used to buying those locally. Um, So it's, there are those big companies that'll ship you flowers, but it's never as nice as when you have a local florist deliver something. So I don't, I don't know that it'll make that much difference. Um, Getting back to weddings and gatherings will definitely make a big difference. We're waiting tomorrow. There's a call with County Public Health so we can find out if we can start having some events again. That would be really helpful. Did did the uh, the movement to uh, to uh, uh, convert some of the flower places in Carpinteria to marijuana growing? Did that hurt supply? Yes, <laughs> yes, for sure. There's a, a lot of growers um, went went away. Um, and that's why we buy flowers from South America now, because, you know, some of them, we just can't buy local anymore, but, um, did you find that whole, you know, there's a nice, with the marijuana conversion, did you find whole varietals of plants gone away 
because everybody specializes in a niche or did you, did it, was it just a volume? It's just a volume thing and an access thing. Um, but you know, bef before the pandemic, it was really not hard to get flowers. I can get flowers from Holland in a day. It's not, you know, they come on the cargo, you know, for any plane that's crossing the Atlantic will have flowers on it. Any plane that's coming from South America has flowers on it. Like they just, you know, it's, it's not hard to get flowers. What's been really nice though, is there's a really strong um, farmer, flower farmer movement, I would say happening in the United States where there's a lot more people growing flowers, growing more interesting varieties and growing things that are really great for the, the climate that they're in. So um, that has been just a whole game changer in terms of what you can get, how fresh it is, um, you know, and just it's, better for the environment as well, because they're generally smaller scale farms that do sustainable farming. So if your business was hurt, obviously the producer's business is hurt. Uh, did they respond by lowering their prices so that you could get some benefit from higher margins? Neil, I'm so sorry to tell you, but flowers are skyrocketing in price right now. Everything, your roses that might've cost a dollar wholesale last year when you bought them, they are now four dollars. So they've um, prices have just skyrocketed from on on most flower varieties. It's not it's not going to be in pretty Mother's Day. <laughs> so so why there's, is that? There's a bunch of reasons. I was going to say there's a bunch of reasons. One is um, with COVID, people went home. You know, they just simply didn't have the people working um, anywhere in the world, like the Netherlands and Africa. There's a lot of flowers grown in Africa. Um, and here in California, but um, when they came back, you know, they were behind and it, there's lag time in flowers. So, you know, they're behind from that to begin with. South America's had rain, a lot, a lot of rain for a lot of while. And so we haven't seen any here, but they've gotten all of it. And so that's shortened the growing season. Um, and again, those airplanes, they're not flying. And so when they don't fly, there's no room for cargo for those flowers to come and go like they normally would. And then once they get here, of course, the whole trucking industry is impacted by all of us shopping online um, with packages and things like that. So, you know, it's just a huge supply chain issue. Um, so if you can get things that are more expensive, sometimes you just can't get things, which is why personally I've doubled down on shopping local. Thank gosh, we're in California where things are, you know, grow like weeds here because it really, makes a difference. So what happens when you make a contract with someone to do their wedding three months from now? Do you, how do you, how do you price it? Do you, are, are you concerned that the you know, prices are going to go up during that three month waiting period? Well, yeah. Cause they usually book out a year. So okay, that's even worse than, so what do you it's do? Even worse. Yeah. Even more unknowns. Um, I have a a really strong contract that I use for these weddings where, you know, we cover some of those, the, those things that may happen, um, including substitutions and all of that. Um, I don't promise a lot of specific things, so that helps too. But yeah, it's a big conversation in my flower groups, just nationwide about what do you do when, you know, prices are four times what they were when you booked the wedding and you priced it for the lower price. Um, it's just a really hard question. You don't really want to go back to people who've rescheduled their wedding three times to say, oh, not on top of that, you're gonna to have to pay double what you thought you were gonna to have to pay. 
So it's just, it's, it's a case by case kind of thing. You just have to work it out with, you know, make it work. <laughs> how many, how many people come to you with specific flower requests for their wedding? Most people just have an idea of the color and I really love a peony. Well, is it peony season? I don't know. You know, the, most people aren't that specific. Um, and so that really helps because most people come to me because they've seen my pictures on Instagram or on a publication or somewhere else where they've seen what I do. And it's true for most people too. It's like they see what you do and they know that it's going to be their style or what they want or it's a good referral from, you know, a planner who knows what they want. And then you have some latitude to kind of make it work with what you can get. Most people don't have super specific. The peony thing is always going to be a thing, but they're really only in season for a short amount of time. <laughs> so other than that, and we're like, you know, we have garden roses almost year round. We have beautiful ranunculus and all the things that people, want for weddings that are just down literally down the road so so now do you see the global supply chain in the flower industry you know as the world comes back online and it becomes back to normal do you see these issues working themselves out or do you think that it will be permanently in a state of flux no I think it'll come back it's going to be a while because there is a lag time between when things are planted and when they bloom. But, um, you know, there's a huge demand and a long established floral trade. I mean, people have been cultivating and selling flowers since Roman times, which I remind myself when things get really bad, it's like, no, people have been doing this for a really long time and it's probably gonna continue. So I think it'll come back. It's just gonna take a while. And I don't, I don't have a lot of hope for 2021, but hopefully by 2022, things will, people will be traveling and moving again. It'll depend on, you know, a lot of it'll depend on the world, you know, is Africa vaccinated, you know, things like that, that I just have no control over. So um, we'll just see. And, um, and, I do and, talk to a friend. Sorry. Go, go ahead, ahead, Neil. Um, I was going to ask you. I was going to say, I talk to a friend in Australia all the time. And they're having the same issues in Australia as we're having here. So it's just, it's a worldwide issue. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB. And we'll be right back with our final segment. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. 
It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service, every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. This is the place that talks about Santa Barbara. Community Matters, radio, real estate, money talk. The Andy Caldwell Show. Santa Barbara T-Sports Radio Show. Golf Radio Show. Community Alert. Mortgage Matters. Welcome to the Voices. 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 Voices of Santa Barbara. The CEO Report. When CSUCI presents About Education. Around the world. The Jeremiah Show. The Art and Antiques Radio Show. Garden Gossip. Cork and Fork Radio Show. Conversations that count. Tell me your story. KZSB AM 1290. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. When when the Brexit uh, uh, issue came up, one of the things that all the financial reporters talked about is flowers. It was easy to talk about the obvious that if Holland is going to produce flowers for England, you, you can't have it sit in a truck for three days. It just will die. Is there any convoluted scenario where if Brexit does hurt the Dutch growers, they'll provide you with more flowers because airplanes to America would be more certain and therefore the prices will be uh, will go down? Uh, be nice. I mean, Holland flowers are some of my favorites, but they are not, not cheap. Um, you know, between the, you know, shipping and all of that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, like I was saying before the break, I have a friend in Australia and we, you know, they get their flowers a lot from Africa and other places, but also from Holland. And so we kind of compare notes as to what's available and what you're getting. And they're really having a problem there. Um, with just nothing, nothing being available. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I'm trying to buy Californian farms just to keep our, keep our businesses going here. And um, also the agriculture department of, in California is pretty strict on things that get flown in. So it's a lot easier just to buy something that was grown here. So, you know, has the pandemic allowed you to, you know, grow and, and really have your creative juices flowing in a different way um, than, you know, not having this time, this downtime during the year? Um, you would think, I think I'm in the same boat as a lot of people where you're like, oh yeah, I have all this time. I'm going to do all these projects. And they didn't happen. Um, I spent a lot of, took a lot of time to reschedule people's weddings a couple of different times, but um, I did do some photo shoots with friends. We did one for the Ellen Canto. That was really fun. We did one um, over at the Montecito Club, which is reopening finally, Thank thankfully. Um, and so they could, you know, market some of their smaller spaces for weddings. Um, it's such a beautiful property. It's just, you know, it's been a sh sad to see it closed. But yes, um, that's being renovated. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I mean, they really, everything is just top notch over there. But um, yeah, so it's just, I'm working on a project with um, a friend of mine who runs an art foundation in Ojai, May 1st. We're going to do a little 
some sort of festival type thing with a floral installation, um, pixie related, of course. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's some stuff, a lot of it's just been taking time to not do flowers and to figure out what that means. And, um, you know, I got to go to Glacier National Park twice this summer. So I feel like I was winning even when I was losing. So, <laughs> so, so if someone's listening and they, they want to um, shop on your online store, what's, what is your website? My website is ellaandlouie.com and that's E-L-L-A spelled out and an L-O-U-I-E. Ella and Louie are my cats. And so they are the perfect CEOs because they you know, sit around and look cute all day and I do all the work, but um, yeah. So it's ellenlouie.com. And if you look at local delivery, it's got all the local stuff. Um, we've got a portfolio on there as well. You can see lots of pretty flowers and lots of happy people, which is really nice. And a lot of your beautiful yeah. work. Um, and so are you, are you preparing for Mother's Day for this year? For 2021? I think so. Yeah, some of the holidays have been a little slow, so I don't want to overbuy. Um, I'd rather just sell really quality stuff and be done with it. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, it's it. Like I said, the holidays have been not as hectic as they were a year ago when people were stuck at home and really sending flowers. Um, Mother's Day last year was just nuts. But um, I think I'm going to plan for a little more moderate season and just do the work that I can do to quality. So yeah, well, but, and weddings, hopefully weddings will start up soon. Well, thank you so much, Tracy, for um, sticking it out. Uh, thank you for being our guest, uh, <laughs> but thank you for sticking it out in a, in a really tough time. And I hope people in town will buy local uh, because it's really the right thing to do and it helps everybody. So it's Ella and Louise Flowers. Uh, so thank you and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Money Talk and we'll see you all next week. It's three o'clock.